Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Um, it's my privilege, privilege to introduce M to come and speak on the Dirty Series Glory. It's a joke. It's like being introduced by Yoda. Um, obviously, no one watches Star Wars here. Um, which is actually like M. M's never watched a Star Wars film. So, uh, but we still got married, which is great. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is great to introduce M. Um, the great thing about M is that she uh, will, at times when we're in our, like, at home and we're talking about like theological stuff and we'll uh, start looking at like, you know, these different theological like debates and all that, M's always really good at being like, that's all very interesting, but how does that affect our lives today, right now? And that's actually what I love about what M carries is it's like she's just full of like wisdom around the Bible, but it's wisdom that she really wants to like bring it into like how does this affect who you are, how does this affect how we parent, how we what our marriage looks like, how we're friends, how we work. And so I'm really looking forward to M talking about this book and just uh, I know that she's got loads that's gonna just affect us today. So uh that's awesome. Can I pray for you or do you want to pray for yourself? No, I'll let you. Great. It's always good to be able to pray for yourself, but I'll pray. We could do a Jedi prayer because M doesn't like Star Wars. Why don't you put your hands out? Let's release the force to her. Holy Spirit, yeah? That's why I like Star Wars. It discipled me in the Holy Spirit. Um, anyway, let's pray. Yeah, God, we thank you for M. Uh, thank you so much for who she is. And uh, we just... Uh, just pray for her that she would just um, just be encountering you as she just shares what she's prepared. Amen. Good morning. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, never seen a Star Wars film or James Bond um, or Lord of the Rings. So just to throw it out there right from the beginning. Um, yeah, it's probably the very thing that Josh just said about being... I'm quite a practically-minded person. I'm not at all creative. We're all creative. I'm not creative in the kind of imagination sense of the word. And so when films do things that I feel like they're out of context, so really spacey things, and all, I'm just, just not really my thing. So apologies about that. Um, so, yeah, we have just hit half-term, and in our house, it's our first ever half-term. And the last few weeks have felt long. I'd never understood it before, um, but having a four-year-old and trying to get him out of the house before eight o'clock, six days a week, thank you, has been challenging. And as a non-creative person, I suddenly was hit last year on World Book Day with a Facebook feed full of my friend's children dressed up in all sorts of fancy costumes. And I thought, oh God, what am I gonna do? That's gonna be me next year. And I'm gonna have to create one of these things. And let's be honest, World Book Day is when kids dress up as their favorite film characters. But I was like, what, on, what am I gonna do? So we get to our first half term of school and you know, I've bought an iron and I'm ironing my school uniform and I'm you know, growing up bit by bit. And the first half term, the very last day, they say, we're going to allow the children to dress up. 
And I thought, oh no, please no. And what's amazing is they allow you the privilege of letting your child dress up. They allow you to make a costume. They charge you money for it. And then they take a picture of your child and sell you a calendar of the same thing. So much blood, sweat and tears have gone into it by that point that you will do anything just to make it okay. So Jackson went off to school on Friday dressed as Mr. Strong. Um, we made it, little costume, hat, the whole thing. We'd got to school every day, on time. We'd done it, not too many tears of mine um, or his. And we made it. And then he came out of school limping. And I was like, Jackson, what's the matter? And realised I'd put him in odd shoes. Uh, a pair of trainers which he had grown out of some time ago and somehow not even noticed on our flying out of school this morning. And I thought, okay, we made it, but just. So we are looking forward to a week where we don't have to get to school so early. So that's how my week's been anyway. So hope you guys are doing all right. We are carrying on the Dirty Glory series. Um, and is anyone reading it? Has anyone read the book yet so far? Enjoying it? It is amazing. I tell you what, this, I know that it's not that we're supposed to say this, but this book genuinely rocked my world this summer and brought me to tears a number of times. And so I'm so pleased that we are exploring it. And if you are um, kind of new to the series or new around over the last weeks, um, Dirty Glory is a book written by Pete Gregg, who leads the Mayus Road Churches. Um, and really, it's a story of the 24-7 movement. And this book is just full of story after story of people who have um, just lived a life really abandoned to what God is saying to them and committed to pioneering um, into prayer and in his presence. And so it's been amazing. So over the last few weeks, uh, we have looked at what it is to uh, live and walk in his presence. Uh, we've looked at what it's like to be uh, people of prayer. And then today we are looking at mission. And the particular part of the book that covers that over the summer, um, I just found so inspiring. We read story after story of families who are selling everything, giving up jobs, moving across the world to... Uh, work with the clubbers in Ibiza, to work with travellers across Europe, people who just kind of gave up so much and heard God speak in really unusual and extravagant ways. And I found myself feeling, one, so thankful that we get to be part of this journey. I felt like, wow, I'm so um, pleased that, that we get to journey a path that has been walked by some absolute legends before us and I felt so pleased about that I felt inspired but I also felt a bit like okay God like but what about me like I want a bit of this action I I want to live something which looks risky and and edgy and dangerous at times but I feel like you've called us to settle in Woking and that that feels a bit different to being called to Ibiza or to travel or to sell up and travel around and so what does it mean to live risky to live a life of faith with a job to live a life of faith with a home and to live a life of faith with roots somewhere what does that look like um, and you know for us as a family we 
for Josh and I, when we first got married, we found it quite easy to just move around if we felt like God was saying that. We went to California for a year, which cost us a lot of money, but was amazing. I'm not going to pretend that it was this costly thing. It laid the foundations to loads of our spiritual and married life, and it was amazing. But actually, to just up and go, at the time, it probably felt like a big deal. But in lots of ways, it was quite easy. And it was very fun. Um, But now, what I realize is at times, it can feel harder, almost like the more we've got, as we've now got a, a family and we've got a home and things feel different. One of the conversations we have a lot is, what does it look like to still play to win and not just play not to lose? You know, we found it probably easier to be generous with our finances when we had no money. And I remember giving away at times my whole week's wages. And it, it felt less of a cost than now when I feel like God is saying, you're going to give some money over there. And I'm like, oh, but what about this? And my bills and this and that and my commitments. And, and sometimes I think it can feel harder now with more. So the lie is we get more generous when we get more money, I think. But that's another topic. So, over in Guildford this morning, Drew Caldwell um, is speaking. He's one of our mission partners from Emmaus Road. And he and his family um, work in the Middle East. You could probably still catch him if you want to head over there now. Um, And if I'm honest, when I began preparing this morning... I had a thought that crossed my mind, which went something like this. It's such a shame that Drew isn't sharing with us this morning, because he is a proper missionary. And he would inspire us and challenge us, and it would be so amazing to hear his stories. And that is true. But I felt like God said to me, that's the problem. You're missing the point. You think that a missionary is a person who lives in a foreign country and doesn't have a wage. You think that mission is about somebody else and not you. And I love it how God is gentle but uh, challenging at times. And I'm like, okay, God, fair enough. You're right. And so I really let that kind of frame how I was preparing this morning and really want us to, to bear that in mind because if you, like me, might, be inclined to put a box around certain things. We put a box around at times things like worship, and we can easily put a box around something like mission. Then we are a movement of about prayer and mission, and I think prayer at times can feel like the easy part, but mission looks like doing something. I love one of the quotes from from the book says this, those who pray continually without engaging missionally are missing the point. Let's just turn to, if you've got your Bibles, John 4 verse 33. Now if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this before. It's a quote from Jesus. I'll read from John 4, 31. 
In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, his disciples said to one another, Has anyone bought him anything to eat? I love the disciples. Um, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his works. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Jesus used lots of farming analogies because that's where he was at and who he was working with. (coughs) But I feel like God was saying to me and to us this morning, lift up your eyes. What I find interesting is that when he's saying, lift up your eyes and look at the harvest, it implies that they are in or very near a field. He doesn't say, jump on a plane, lift up your eyes, and there is your mission field. He says, lift up your eyes. We're all in a field. But maybe the question is, what are we looking at? And I know that you know, one of my constant challenges is what does it look like to do life in a busy way where we've got things that we do each day and we've got, you know, for us it's a school run and work and meetings and church and those things which are amazing. But when do we stop to lift up our eyes? We've got some neighbours who are absolutely lovely. They've lived next, well, they've lived in the house, not next door to us because that would be weird. They've lived in that house for 45 years or something. And they say to us, you come and go so quickly. You don't, like, where, what do you do? Like, you just, you're just always, you just, people just come out of their house and into their car and then they go. And that street looks very different to how it did when they moved in 45 years ago, when people had time for each other. And for them, they find it quite rude, in fact, that we all just do very separate lives. So when do we take our time to lift up our eyes? In Matthew 28, I am going to actually quickly turn to it. Matthew 28, 18 is what we might call the Great Commission. Let me see if I can find it. It's the very last bit of Matthew, so go for Mark, and then we can flip back. Here we go. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. It's a nice little bit at the end there. Jesus says, go. Not some of you, not 
why don't you pray and see if you're called to go? He says, go. Josh has just started a uh, post-grad diploma in kingdom theology. Yes, nailed it. Um, and he is really enjoying it. It's quite hard work, but he's really enjoying it. And I'm getting the benefit of some great conversations at home when he gets to say, this is what we've been talking about. This is what we've been thinking about. Um, and he actually read his first essay out to me yesterday. And it's about mission, which was cool. Uh, good timing for us. Um, but one of the things that he kind of said in his essay, and I'm going to annihilate it by trying to <coughs> repeat it, but was something like this. The word go requires movement. It requires energy. And all the whilst we restrict it to something that someone else does, we'll always be likely to stay stationary in that. Another thing we were talking about recently was as the church, what we can do is tend to institutionalize things that help people. And so um, that can leave us feeling like we don't have a part to play. So I have recently started working in the Jigsaw Project downstairs here at the Lighthouse, um, which is a baby clothing and equipment bank. And it is so fun, um, amongst other things. But I just am absolutely loving the privilege of being part of um, really helping people at a point in their life where they really need it. And it's such a special time. You know, so many mums about to have a baby and they get to come and last week someone took a, out a bugaboo almost new looking pram which if you aren't a mum yet or will never be because you're a guy whatever um that is like one of the top of the range prams and someone with their 12 day old baby who's living in a hotel at the moment for different reasons gets a brand new almost pram and i think that is the sort of thing that that I just feel such a privilege to be part of that story. But sometimes, something like the lighthouse comes out of people saying, let's go. What can we do? Let's make a difference. And as it grows, more people get to join the journey. And as it grows, structures and things happen to help it grow and increase. But the challenge is, Sometimes we can think, oh, that's cool. That's happening over there, and I'm not in it. Now, the lighthouse isn't, isn't about the thing that represents mission. We are called to go. And it might be that our journey is fully wrapped up in this building, for example. Or it might be that it's not. But either way, where do we go? Because i tell you where I go. I go to the school gates, I go past my neighbours, I go to work, I get on a train, I come to the lighthouse, I go to my family, that is where I go. So where do you go? Because in that place, you have been sent. And how then do we lift up our eyes in the environments that we go and see how we carry the good news of what Jesus has done for us 
and how we then get to bring that into the environment that we are in. Because some of us might be sitting here feeling like, yeah, I have been called to a particular place or a people group or something. And that is amazing. Some of us are called to move. And some of us are called to give up our jobs and our houses and to, to move to remote places in the world. But either way, tomorrow, where do you go? In Hebrews, it talks about running with intent the race before us. So what does it look like for us to be intentional about this race before us? And I just wanted to um, share just a few points really out of Dirty Glory, a few things that Pete talks about that just really um, inspired me um, about really what it looks like to be missional where we are. The first is this, holiness is contagious. Cleanliness, even more catching than uncleanness. Morality, more influential than immorality. Holiness is contagious. Jesus sat with, walked with, lived alongside people who the religious people of the day would have thought of as being the lowest of the low. Without fear of catching it or being made less holy. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Which doesn't mean we don't make wise choices. It might be that there's certain areas in our lives that makes us vulnerable to things that mean we probably shouldn't even go there. But we don't have to be afraid of our holiness being affected by somebody else because that's a lie and sometimes I think we can carry something into the environments around us which make us feel like somehow because we're a Christian that we have I think probably growing up as a Christian for me in school I felt like it left me like slightly less cool than everyone else and it left me with um, something that I was carrying that I just hoped people wouldn't expose at first you know when people said hey what did you do this weekend I was like if I don't say I went to church then maybe God's not gonna love me anymore but if I do then what's gonna happen and I felt like I just had this thing that actually left me feeling vulnerable which is a shame. And I hope that Al Jackson doesn't feel like that. I hope that we can work our way around that by the time he gets to secondary school. But sometimes I think we can feel like we carry something that actually leaves us worse off. And yet we carry the good news. We, are, we have access to freedom in who we are. We have access to... Um, to love, we have access to our creator and therefore purpose and destiny over our lives. And we have been given authority, authority to, to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. We get to set the environment around us. 
Jesus, not Jesus. Well, God says to Moses and Joshua later on, I will give you every place you set your foot. And sometimes I think about when we invite people to our home, we very much host them. I'm actually not brilliant at hosting. Josh is definitely far better at it than me in terms of hospitality and the practical stuff. But when people come into our home, you, in that moment, take authority. You initiate the moments, whether there's a hug or not a hug, which sometimes, you know, is tricky to work out with different people how that works, whether you're a hugger or not a hugger. But you are the one who initiates, right? You're the one who says, would you like a cup of tea? Or um, shall we go through to the other room? Or whatever the things are. And sometimes I feel like we can have that very same thing in the other environments that we're in. If he's giving us the place that you set your foot. means that we get to host the environments around us. When I'm at the school gate, I can host that moment. It doesn't mean I have to be large and in charge and feel like I need to direct the moment. But I can make sure everyone feels included. I can start conversations. I don't have to, in that place, feel different to anywhere else I'm in. Because I get to host that too. I get to take authority in that moment. Authority to serve, maybe. But if we are given the places that our feet are set, then our feet have got to be there. We've got to go. We've got to be in it to win it. You also, uh, Pete in the book also just shares about some of the heart attitude of, of the guys who are um, really serving God in the different places. And it talks about what it is to walk alongside people and to listen and learn from others as much as the other way around. And I think, you know, we can be inclined to feel intimidated by the world around us, or we can in be inclined to feel like, right, I'm going to go and evangelize to all those people out there. And at times we can then actually do the almost the very opposite and create a them and us thing where we feel like we've got it and they haven't. And of course, that makes sense in, in some places. But just because we believe we've found the truth doesn't mean we're always right. And it's okay and important that we carry a heart of humility with the people around us where actually we get to learn from them. Maybe they show us parts of the character of God that we are still working out about ourselves. But what does unconditional acceptance look like where we get to do life with people to share who God is both by who we are and how we speak in such a way that we love and accept people right where they're at regardless of change we don't want people to feel like or or experience something which says, we really want you to know Jesus, but first, 
here's a few things that we feel a bit intimidated by, so would you mind just stopping doing this and stopping doing that? And we'd never do that explicitly, but we know it feels tricky. And I don't know about you, but there are some things which we probably find harder than others. Some things that we might be very comfortable with someone feeling differently to us about, someone talking about a particular topic differently to us, and other things that make us feel quite uncomfortable and really hope they don't come up. So what does it look like to love unconditionally the people around us? To listen and to learn. To go with authority and to um, host the moments around us. In that um, verse in John at the beginning, the guys are like, Jesus, are you hungry? And Jesus is like brilliantly brings out a riddle and I feel sorry for the disciples because I think they half the time haven't got a clue what is going on and so they saying, Jesus are you hungry and he says um, I've got food that you don't know about and they're like has someone given him food like what has happened how come we're still hungry and he's obviously eating kind of moment going on and and what we um what we hear Jesus say then is the food that I eat is doing the will of my father. And what I know to be true in the food world of my life is what we feed on, we hunger. The more chocolate I eat, <laughs> the more I desire it. The more water I drink, the more my body tells me I need water. And so the more that we feed on his will, the more that we will hunger that. And so this morning, if really like me over the summer, you're like, God, I'm, I feel hungry for something more, or I want to be hungry, and right now I'm not. Let's look at what it looks like to feed on his will in our lives. Let's just think for a second this morning, what is my mission field? Where do I need to look up? Why don't you just close your eyes for a second? Don't know if band, if you want to kind of start making your way up, that'd be great. Let's just close our eyes for a second if you if you want to. And I want us to just think, where am I going this week? Where do I go? And God, I just pray that you'll help us to lift up our eyes. And bring people or situations to mind where you want to speak or act into. Moments for us that might require bravery. People who you are wanting to speak to us about. And we want to learn to listen more. Those of us who need to see people who we need to understand what acceptance looks like because for some people in our lives it feels super hard and God I pray for all of us that you will leave us this morning feeling hungry I want to know and share your good news and want every day to be driven by that hunger.
that, God, we will know what it is to be known by you. But that we don't just get to stop there. We get to invite other people into that too. So, God, for each of us this morning, I just pray you will set a fire, that this week you will bring to mind people who you want us to send a text to, invite round for dinner, to do life with, to ask difficult questions to. That we will look up and see the harvest around us. Amen. Why don't we just stand? Um, we're going to continue um, just to worship. I'd encourage you if you feel like there's particular things that you feel like, actually, I'm going to share it with somebody, something I'm going to do this week or a person I'm going to pray for this week. Let's just tell somebody else because maybe next week they can say, how's it going? And it helps us to stay kind of accountable in that. But we also didn't want today to go by without acknowledging the um, Me Too campaign that has been all over social media this week. And I am so pleased that it is something that is coming to light again. And really we have seen scandal after scandal in different areas of, of life be exposed over the last few years. And the church is one. And so we didn't want it to pass this morning without mentioning that. Firstly, because we want this to be a place where we confront injustice, where we do honesty, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's ugly. We want this to be a place that first and foremost is real and genuine and stands up for those that don't have a voice for themselves. But we're also aware that it's a subject that probably has actually touched many of our lives in one way or another. And we do want to give people the opportunity, if you have felt like something that has made you feel particularly vulnerable this week, then do make sure you get prayed for. Do make sure you've got good people around you. But this morning, we just want it to be a chance for you to um, to be prayed for and to share that with someone if that's what you need.